Hi, it's Nicole Leemaster on Coleology, and today I have Anthony Twig-Wheeler on the phone with me. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning there. And Anthony Twig-Wheeler is a cultural animator dedicated to encouraging a public conversation on relationships between our biology and the modern environment. Twig advocates for a reconciliation with our nature as a prime as a primate influence species that has been shaped by our evolutionary past. From stress to well-being, Twig works to show the connection between our biology and the psychohistorical conditions we find ourselves in. This <clears throat> little intro is so in- intriguing to me because I don't think I've um Although I agree, I fully agree, I don't think I've really explored um, this avenue of the way our, bi- <clears throat> our biology works in our environment and how it's been like shaped through the evolutionary past. I, I haven't actually gotten into this, and I'm really just interested in um, wherever you want to go with this on this podcast uh, just to like kind of first kind of inform me, I guess, like an education, a psycho, um, a psycho education piece of like what that exactly means. Sure. Well, it's interesting, Coley. Um, is that, can I say your name that way? I think it is Nicole, but is it Coley? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, my name's Nicole and my little brother called me Coley when he was like two and it's kind of been my nickname ever since. Yes. Yes, that's right. I, I go by my nickname, Twig, too. Like, I, nicknames, I'm just, anybody who can carry their nickname into the daily round, I'm, I'm all for that. Where did you get um, yours? I make, I, I teach and make a, a particular way of lighting fire in adverse conditions where you create this thing called a twig bundle. One of the things I do in the world is I teach people ancestral living skills, primitive skills. They're known as primitive skills. And so one of those things is like how to make fire when the weather's really bad, there's sleet or snow, that kind of thing. And so in making a particular fire lay called a twig bundle and teaching that to a lot of people, people started calling me twig. <laughs> uh, that's, that's how I got twig. I love it. I think I watched like some YouTube of you um, taking twigs and like building, and then maybe this was for the bundle, but it almost looked like a basket. Um, uh, yeah, probably for a basket. Yeah, that one is probably a basket. But there are other similar videos showing me making a little fire bundle called a twig bundle. Same, same. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So twig, that's that's where that comes from. Playing with twigs. <laughs> well, yeah. And you got into that how I'm sure this plays into like how you've developed um, into a healer, right? Yes, I would say that those are all some kind of winding path that all kind of had shared, shared, you know, steps along the way there. Yeah. One of those goes back to your question or the kind of the read-in at the beginning of like, what's the influence of our ancestral past, our evolution, how our physicality and psyche, our biology becomes to be formed the way that it is on this planet and how that interacts with the modern environment, um, which is not how, or not, it's not exactly the same, how we live today, how we interact today, what we're asked to do today. It's not always the same as what we were given the opportunity to engage with in our ancestral environment. 
And that kind of, those questions a long time ago led me to more, it was, it was more inchoate, but I was asking myself, why are things so screwy today? <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. why, why are things so, like, why do I feel so off? I was young and I felt very, it was before I had found therapy, particularly somatic experiencing therapy. And I was really ill at ease and uncomfortable. I had a lot of observation of other people who were also ill at ease. And then everything I read in the world press kind of suggested that there were problems. And it just, I was like, why, why are things so like this? And that led me indeed into <clears throat> looking into the past and when did this happen? How long has it been like this? Where did something go wrong? As I was kind of, um, keen on looking for and, and, and yeah and, so one thing leads to the next there yeah and and what did you find in in your research like what what was kind of like your findings well one thing I can I can jump to based on having listened to some of the other podcasts with some really really informed trauma therapists that you've been having on like Andrea <clears throat> excuse me Andrea Gage and Brad Cammer yeah I love like, them lovely work and that work like somatic experiencing and NARM um, those somatic approaches to the work really kind of point out that there is a wide spectrum of well-being available to people these days like a lot of us know ourselves as being highly distressed regularly daily hourly just kind of getting through the next uncomfortable moment <laughs> you know yeah and and, you know, like like you have done, it sounds like, and I've done personally, it's like a lot of us can get involved in a therapeutic practice or kind of process and guidance and support that helps us move along some kind of spectrum where our nervous system starts to feel less threatened, we feel less ill at ease, we're able to reinforce more positive signals in the environment, choose things that are more helpful to us, and end up, you know, kind of, I don't know, Look, you've got this whole podcast thing going on. It's like <laughs> putting yourself out. There's a lot of energy to put yourself out into the world in that way. Um, I've done similar things like that. It's like, wow, there's just a lot more well-being available when my biology is less distressed. That's right. And right. Uh, well, our past people in our past, your ancestors and my ancestors, they did not live. There's there's no evidence to show that they lived in a chronic sense of distress. The evidence goes the other way. That they lived more in that direction that we're talking about at the very, very, very extreme side of resiliency, where they felt comfortable in their skin, where they felt strong and capable in their bodies, where their relationships with one another were reciprocal and altruistic in their give and take between one another. And that kind of describes a nervous system state and a nervous system processing that is highly self-regulating and very well organized and very strong attachment bonds and all of these kinds of things that we were kind of like branching for in the somatic and kind of healing arts these days. Right. And, and of course, our ancestors, they, they had that because they were much more embedded in their ontogeny, their developmental sequence, the kind of sequence that every species has as we 
kind of a born, you know, we start to lift our head at a certain age and we start to crawl at a certain age and we start to talk and we do all of these things based on preparations that biology has set out or kind of selected for in our evolution. Right. And all of those, all of those are sequential and they all have a kind of a role in helping to establish the sanity of our creature, of our organism. And, and our ancestors, they had great access to that support for their developmental sequence. And a lot of us, we, we suffer without it. So, so like, um, so like, are you saying like in these developmental stages, we're just forced to do things too soon or too fast? Is that what you're um, suggesting? Or like what, so like what did our ancestors have um, in this, in the sequence that we're like not seeing today. I mean, I agree that there's all these other stressors, um, that happen because we're just not as in touch with the land. Are you, are you talking like, like in that, are we talking in that realm as well? Or are we talking about literal like development being pushed too quickly or? Yeah. Or development having to negotiate challenges that it wouldn't normally have. Oh, like, okay. Like, for instance, um, it's a kind of commonplace around the world that children in the what's called the ancestral environment, meaning the hunter-gatherer environment, that children are kind of held, infants are held in arms or in nearly continuous body contact for the first eight months after being born. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. And in that, they're not being kind of cuddled and, and calmed the entire time. It's not a matter of keeping them constantly quiet and still. It, the mother and the caregiver who is carrying the child, they're busy. They're busy people. They're, they're doing things. They're picking up things, and they're walking, and they're carrying things, and they're also carrying their baby. Right. Well, the consequence of this is that the baby is getting jostled and getting turned over and, and getting uncomfortable, periodically crying out, saying, oh, this is too much. And with the cry becoming kind of enough of itself, the caregiver just kind of naturally resettles the child and helps the child to settle again. Okay. And this, this kind of rise and fall of what amounts to what you and I would think of as the stress response is exactly the kind of thing that we're all talking about in the, say, developmental trauma literature and the kind of somatic psychology literature of asking for the body to have the opportunity to be aroused and activated, but to also have the opportunity to successfully experience settling. Mm, yeah. Right? And in infancy, you know, if we think about this from a kind of a Porgesian perspective, a polyvagal perspective, where we recognize that the ventral vagal complex, which is for mammals, for you and I, for humans, going to be the social engagement system, the part of our nervous system that helps us to kind of maintain calm and to resettle once we've become distressed, that ventral vagal complex is really kind of at its strongest growth period after birth into that first eight months of life. And this 
use of the ventral vagal complex by being settled, it, I, I, I think all of the evidence just really suggests that this is all about growing the ventral vagal system, the myelin, which is kind of a fatty sheath on the outside of our nerves for the ventral vagal complex. All of this is grown by use of having what I, I think Alan Shore talked about, like just tens of thousands of like these upsets and quiescence that are meant to happen in childhood. Um, our ancestral life just provided a whole lot more of that. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. and, and so like, so like, in our in our normal environment today, we're just not getting as many opportunities in these infancy stages to like come up, rise to threshold, and then resettle. Is is basically yeah. And so that yeah, that's a very good way to say it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that that in itself creates this ongoing distress into like youth and then adolescence, adulthood. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, or you can take it to the other side and see how many of us, we don't just get activation, upset to threshold, do something to affect a change, like cry, and then experience on the backside of that the sense of settling as a response of our action. Like, here I go to cry, oh, caregiver, here's my cry, attends to my needs, and I get to settle. You know, instead, so many of us get, like, cry until you go to sleep kind of stuff. Right. Right. Or you get cry and, and cry and settle yourself. You're not designed. Your evolutionary past did not design you to know how or have the physical capability of settling you oh. when you are an infant. Yeah. It's like it's you're designed not to be able to settle by yourself. Somebody else is helping you to settle, and that is training your system to settle. So there's just a continuum of like, okay, how much does my organism get to learn how to do what it's prepared to do, which is to get aroused and then settle? Or, you know, the the deeper the insults become, the further away or further down that spectrum we can go to where it's like, yeah, man, later in life, I just ne- I can never settle because for to get turned to be turned up to be activated in some way just means everything turns on and turns up, and I I. You know, it takes everything, everything to turn off before I finally drop out rather than quieting. Right. People don't get to quiet. Yeah. Right. So, so like, um, co-regulation is just like this, like huge force. And, and I think, I think something about that, cause I feel like even that in our day to day, um, paradigm is, is kind of taken like, I don't know, maybe it's because we have this individualistic like onlay or something, but it feels like co-regulation is like, we're supposed to be able to do this stuff ourselves. There's some type of like, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I right. mean, yeah. so, so like, what do you do? So with that information that you have, and that's like kind of the background that you're playing from, like, how do you carry this out into the world to help, to help people? So like, what does that mean for your practice? And, um, your teachings? Mm-hmm. Well, on my practice side, I'm more or less um, practice as a somatic experiencing practitioner. So in that way, I use, I use pretty much the tools of somatic experiencing, particularly that kind of organic intelligence informed 
style of somatic experiencing is that that style by Stephen Hoskinson um, was a major influence on my work. And so when I'm like doing like basic one-on-one work or meeting with somebody as a trauma therapist, which is kind of part of the work that I do in the world, I'm more or less just using those very modern skills, which I believe are tapping into basic kind of paradigmatic um, expectations of our biology. And, and that's part of why they work so well. Right. Like, right. Somatic experiencing is, is this kind of like phenomenal access point to something that is supposed to be happening anyway. Right. Right. The completion of the stress response, the completion of the, of, of the process that arrested becomes the traumatic reaction where my body still feels like it's in the stress response attending to a danger that is no longer actively happening. Right. That, right. That's, that's, a, that's kind of the gift of Peter Levine to the world and history is that he identified that there is a process that we already knew about the stress response, but we didn't understand that the completion process anticipates completion and that when given appropriate signals, mammals complete that process. Yeah. And I want to like speak, can I, can I interrupt? Cause I, uh, do you mind for one second? I, Not at all, please. I, I would like you to go into that more just because, so experientially I did SE because I read, um, Peter's book and I was in at the exact same time, JFK getting my master's to become a transpersonal therapist. So here I am like in the transpersonal world, like meditation, like all the bypassy things that like have, have helped me. They were definite tools, but I was not in my body. And then, and I even did yoga bypassed, like I did Ashtanga and like just mm-hmm. way over threshold. Yeah. Way over threshold. <laughs> yeah. And, um, then I read Peter's book and I don't even know why I read Peter's book. Cause it wasn't like something we were supposed to be reading. It was just like another side read I was reading. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like what I need for myself. And so I end up in SE. And I've been doing, and Steve just happened to be my instructor. I didn't even know who Steve was. And then I found out he was this pretty phenomenal being. Um, And in this like whole process for me, um, I've been, I go to my own SE therapist. I've, I've definitely found my system is way more regulated. I have way more, uh, less rigidity, more space. I have all of that, but I still see, and I, maybe this is like what Steve speaks to in the fractal nature of things, but I still see like my, my tendency to not settle, um, and perpetuate this, like just reactivation, 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 and not allow myself to fully settle. Um, and I see this in my clients as well, right? So this is, and I see this in my son probably because he co-regulated his whole entire infancy with me. Um, <laughs> and I wonder, like, like considering the settling is like such an important part. Like, I think it's almost, it, I think it's almost the part, or at least for a new system set up like mine. Um, and I'm thinking yeah. with trauma, people tend to have like this a similar setup. Um, 
or, or, or I just happen to keep on getting clients that are more similar to me. I'm not really quite sure. Um, what is, or how do, or, or what, like, how do you actually get to the point? And I'm asking this from a person for a personal, personal like trajectory. And then also, um, just working in the world, like, to get to that place where like settling actually becomes like programmed or conditioned again. Mm. Well, part of it is that it'll have to become programmed or conditioned. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll, it'll have, it'll have to be, it'll have to be something that gets to happen so often. Yeah. That it gets to happen so many times that it becomes more or less the norm. Right. I mean, that's, that's one thing. And then that's going up against the conditioning that says, keep looking around or keep, keep it going. Don't, don't let it, don't let it down all the way. I mean, really, don't, who knows what else is going to happen. I mean, exactly. come on, pay, 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 pay attention now. Exactly. You know, so, yeah. And, and they will, so that was not just going to, that, that message that says pay attention now, pay attention more, keep, keep, keep it up. All of that. That one doesn't just turn off so that then you can condition for making sure that you settle. Like you have one way of doing it now, and then you want the other way to become the norm. There'll be a process of really turning that around, really changing the balance of how easy it is or how difficult it is, but eventually how easy it is for your system to notice signals that say, oh, I'm settling more, and to give those credence and validity and interest and attention and, uh, based on familiarity or pleasure or um, cognition that says, oh, I know that that's valuable. Any kind of way of reinforcing that, oh, this is where I should put my attention to the signal here that says that is settling and that following setting is valuable and worth your attention. Hmm. And that has, that has to go up against the kind of thing that says, paying attention to the next thing is worth <laughs> your attention. I know, and it's really interesting because when I sit with my therapist, I go almost weekly. Um, and I've been going for like three, well, since I've graduated, like four years now. When I'm with him, he's amazing, Seiji Ono, do you know him? Mm, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah amazing. Absolutely. And, oh my yeah. gosh, he's like amazing. Um, Lovely to hear Sage. I know. Mm-hmm. He's like, seriously. When I am with him in the room, my system will do it. And I think that there's because, because it's been conditioned that this is what we do and, and there's enough safety that I know I'm safe, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And then I'll leave and um, I find that it's just more difficult to maintain out in the world. And so I kind of wonder with like what you're doing, um, where you're bringing in these, these things from our, our past and you're working from this like evolutionary place and then you're, um, kind of helping. And I'm, I'm imagining that this is what your own process was, uh, for yourself. Right. I mean, like that's usually as healers, what we do, we have our own process and then we kind of bring that into other people's world, like as a little like gem uh, along with our, um, education and lenses we come from through education. Right. Frequently, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I'm kind of wondering like what that looks like for you personally, um, in your day-to-day life. So what, what does it look like is, is like part of doing these twigs and baskets and fire building and earth building part of your system being more connected to land and settling or I'm just really interested. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see here, you, you you get at it because you had asked, how is that in your work and how is that in your teachings? So in my primary work, working with people, I rely on those kind of skills from the therapeutic process. And I do like what you mentioned, which is I consider that the deactivation and settling side, that's the, that's the, that's at issue. That's what's at play, or that's what I'm most interested in cultivating when I'm working with people and working with myself. It's like the activation stuff is kind of juicy and vibrant and it's attractive, but getting upset about something, the self-protective responses, all of these kinds of things are, they, they kind of make the cell. But what's really going to make the difference is helping the system to be more and more attracted and more and more comfortable with the opportunity to settle. Right. Right. And so that's, but then you can, that doesn't mean, and I have to point this out because we're, we're both therapeutically informed. So we can't say that in public and, and then everybody's going to go and try to just convince themselves to settle more and settle more. And just, I'm just going to sit here and settle more <laughs> and, you know, and, and there's a real danger to that. There's a real danger to that. It's one of the big gifts of Peter of somatic experiencing from Peter's work from that book, Waking the Tiger, that you mentioned, where Peter was helping Nancy. One of the golden stories in that book is Peter's helping Nancy to settle. And as she settled, she has a paradoxical reaction where her nervous system has been, in a way, kind of so pitched and so conditioned to a kind of excited state that to settle is now taken as a new threat. Right. Right? And so she has, right? So she has that kind of, she has that settling, but then she has this paradoxical reaction, like a a relaxation-induced panic attack, they call it. (laughs) Right. And that's like a heavy thing. It's like, wait a second, I was trying to calm down. And now I'm, like, getting more wrapped up. It's like I feel worse all of a sudden. And it's like this kind of setup. I call it setup in the nervous system that, like, once we've gotten conditioned in a certain kind of way, if you, particularly if that way includes a lot of traumatic stress kind of physiology, if you try to calm that too much too quickly, it will be taken as its own new threat and will cause a whole new reaction. Yeah, and I like that you're kind of reframing framing it for me again yeah. or reiterating it again because I haven't read that book. And that's literally kind of what happens. And it's really bizarre. This last time I had therapy, I uh, went into a deep freeze. Um, and, you know, freeze, as Steve uh, says, it has both, like, the activation and deactivation, like, and the red and blue. Um, and so... Sage was like, you don't, I, I'm, I'm your boundary right now. You don't have to look up. So like in this like very like jello state, I like still wanted to like look up and like protect myself. So my system like would not settle for a while. And, um, and then finally I did get the deactivation 
that I needed. Um, but I don't, I don't experience that out in my day-to-day world often. And, and I think because my system is primed to not experience that often, it's also difficult for me as a practitioner, a young SE practitioner, um, when I say young, I'm not saying in age, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying in actually having like the SE framework and, um, being a practitioner, uh, the ability to bring that to my clients because I'm still learning that in my own nervous system. And, and I think that there's something super important that you just named about just saying to people, yes, we like just settling. It's important to just settle. I think that's what I spent years, um, doing with meditation. And, uh, that's why I was bypassing. I was just kind of like completely disassociated because my system was like revving up the whole time I was actually meditating, but I was like dedicated to meditating. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Once you're putting a lot into it, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess when I hear you, when you, when I hear you mention that, what we could really hope to really always reinforce is that what we're most interested in is the capacity for our organisms to just simply move through these cycles of things. Yes. That these changes happen, they include arousal cycles, activation cycles, excitement cycles, distressing cycles. They include that part of it, but they also are meant to include settling and deactivation that kind of um, attentive awareness, but you don't have to be necessarily vigilant or on guard, and that we hope to be able to move through both of these, or kind of rhythms and patterns of these moving throughout our day and throughout our week and throughout our month, and really throughout the year cycle, to be honest, and as these either are allowed to move through, we will generally find ourselves deepening or expanding our range through both of them. So we'll feel it easier to settle, and we'll also find it easier to be active because we'll get enough rest in the settling to be energized when we're being active. And if these are able to kind of not have exactly a balance, but probably have more balance than most people get, then it should be able to grow. Like, you should be able to find yourself over the next several years saying, wow, you know, like, I used to eat this meal with my friends and then just really feel how I had to get up and do something afterwards. But now I find that it's a lot more pleasurable and possible for me to linger in the after effect of the meal and the goodness that we just shared and kind of take in the less effortful moment together mm. that could that could be out there growing for you that is something that your ancestors did a lot in the ancestral environment right and and it is something that we would be wise to kind of look toward how we can proxy or replicate like things that our ancestors did which are pretty much exactly the kinds of things that we're talking about in all the somatic kind of psychotherapy and trauma recovery kind of stuff. It's like more pro-social time, more social time with people that we feel safe with, more faith time, more proximity with our face, more use of the ventral vagal complex, more orientation to things that are not in the moment considered to be dangerous. Right. Um, And sure, 
for me, and I, I, I think that this extends to, extends to a lot of other people, that includes, like, as much as I can in my daily round, I try to put in basic things, like giving a little time walking on the ground, open ground, non-concrete, barefoot. Yeah. Trying, trying to pick up things that aren't evenly shaped by a machine, but have some kind of variance and play with them. That means for me that I make things. I make different things with waves and everything. But if I wasn't, then I would at least want to carry and walk, take a walk with a stick, just to feel something that's not exactly machined. Um, and to feel things so, of different temperature. I, yeah. I want you to keep, I actually, I want you to keep on going with this list because it's like, um, for me, it's like, oh, yeah, I should really start doing that. But the funny thing is, is like when I go on walks with my son, guess who's picking up sticks? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like he's already doing right. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We would anticipate that he knows what he's doing in these things. And then, <laughs> and then we, we get to um, kind of steal the technique from him. Yeah. I should just copy him yeah. a little more. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should, we should probably be wise to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that list is meant more or less to add somatic cues that remind me of the planet that I actually live on and not the encased environment that has been created for me on that planet. Like my organism, your organism, really is made for like doing really dramatic things like walking up hillsides that are uneven on uneven ground and swimming across cold rivers when it's like the right idea to do or spending a day um uh, what we would call scraping a hide for making a, a deer hide into buckskin leather for clothing like that's a that's a strong action that requires that you pay attention to your pace and your timing and that after you do it, you take some satisfaction in having done it and you have some deactivation afterwards because it takes a lot out of you and if you're just going to pretend that you can keep going and going, you won't be able to say, you know, you'll just be uncomfortable. You'll just make yourself uncomfortable. So you kind of like pace out your activity and you you kind of enjoy the round of the day. Parts of it are harder and parts of it are more enjoyable and parts of it are very social and parts of it are very fulfilling and parts of it are hard. And and all of that modulation in the day in the ancestral environment, when you're living out on the land and actually kind of engaging with the other animals and, and plants on the land as for your substance and such, that round, that daily round, it's, pretty hard to get access to something like that nowadays. We pretty much have to get up and go, go, go. Not everybody, but everybody who's not often feels lethargic because they don't really have enough stimulus to kind of pull them into their day. And the more proxy to any of this kind of rhythm that we can have, I think the better. You know, you're naming something that I haven't thought about um, before, and I'm thinking that this is super interesting. So, I just haven't thought about it in this way. So you're you were talking about like how we we're built to like go up mountains and you know hunt things. And then I was just thinking while you were speaking from a nervous system perspective, that's like super high activation, right? Um, like if you're hunting something or you're or you're needing to climb a mountain, let's say to get to something, that's like more activation than our 
our daily that that we get I think daily even if I'm if I'm active on a day and I feel pr- like a fairly active person I'm I'm not getting activated my system my biology is not getting active in a way that I like need to hunt something kill it or like go up this mountain and I have to get to the top like so I'm kind of wondering yeah. like the <clears throat> dilemma of being able to deactivate fully is also the other side of the dilemma is we're like not actually fully activating. So our system is kind of like set up to like do these like bigger thresholds for like survival purposes. And we're not actually needing to, to do these bigger thresholds. So our, our system's kind of like um, unconsciously like climbing these ladders to get this thing that like our biology thinks it needs um, and that's why yeah. we're not actually fully settling because we're actually not fully activating. Do you, do you think that that's maybe something? Yeah. Yeah, I like what, I like what you're doing there. And I would put it in the, like, oh, we're trying to explore what, what, what is going on. <clears throat> and, and you're not really naming it an answer, which is good, because it would be good not to name an answer here. But we could play with some ideas in what you just said. Okay. Okay, one is that, Activation isn't necessarily the same thing as activity. Okay. I like that. Right. I, I, I kind of maybe have that coupled then. <laughs> right. Particularly, with, particularly when we consider nervous system activation. Like when we're talking about, like when we, like somatic people talk about activation, we're generally talking about the nervous system being activated. Right. And, and that's not exactly activity. Well, and I would agree with you from a theoretical point of view, but from my nervous system point of view, I think it, I think my nervous system has like high activity coupled with like nervous yeah. system overload. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. So that's the thing that we just need to uncouple, particularly when we're talking about the ancestral environment. Okay, cool. Because people who, people who are at their ease in their world informed by a million years of past evolution behind them living in the landscape that they have known since birth with people that are their people who all, like, are all competent and caring and take care of one another. Like, the ancestral environment is you, your biology, your organism, living inside of a group of 30 to 50 other people who are all, like, the people that you will know from the day you were born until the day you die. Okay, yeah, totally different, yeah. There's a big difference in the sense of their comfort. right. And their ability to walk up that hillside and do this strenuous thing without getting activated is well noted in, in like, like countless expressions of Europeans meeting, um, like Native people, First Nations people, um, Indigenous people in the Americas and stuff, and just recognizing their robustity and their kind of calm demeanor and their like access to facial expression while at the same time, their humor while they did strenuous activities. Right. 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 And, and that's like all ventral vagal kind of stuff while they're having to use their sympathetic system in order to engage, like carrying a canoe down these difficult rapids, as one story goes. Right. Right. And, and so that, that is it's like it's an overcoupling that you're talking about where if I go climb up that hill, it raises my heartbeat. And I get kind of a little 
agitated by that that raises my sense of activation and now climbing the hillside is like this kind of almost dangerous thing that kind of lifts me up a lot and it's like wow this is kind of intense and it's either a positive thing or a negative thing based on the valence there right but it's like activation is overcoupled there with this sense of activity yeah i appreciate you naming that yeah and and with it like that's part of like one ideal would be that we get to start separating these things out because maybe one of the most activating things that that I could think of is to be in like a an office environment for a day <laughs> where there were constantly little signals going on that were telling me that somehow I was in danger. The boss gave me a little facial signal that said he was upset and my coworker was upset because I didn't finish my paperwork on time or that like there was this or that little thing going to happen at lunch and I wasn't invited and maybe I was going to be left out of it. Maybe they were going to invite me at the last minute. Like all of these little social signals and such that I was kind of like trapped in my little cubicle trying to deal with. Right. Rather than being able to give any of my somatic responses to these things free expression to go for a walk or go do something or, um, be a little bit more authentic in that environment, in fact, and kind of um, not feel so threatened by it based on my ability to respond more clearly. Um, Like having all of those impulses locked up inside of me for the day, not being able to respond in my own unique way, but inside of a socially codified system there in the (laughs) office. Gosh, man, at the end of the day, I think I'd feel pretty activated, like, wouldn't know the day was over until I was on a bar stool or something. <laughs> right. I think a lot of people, right. that's what they're dealing with, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I think it's an, un, an unknown thing, but to sit in traffic is one of the more remarkable things where all of your impulse and impression of what you should be doing is making progress toward your destination. Like, you want to go somewhere, and you are doing everything that would help you to go there, but there is all this traffic in front of you. And so your little movement to get to go is to push on the gas pedal a tiny little bit, <laughs> and then to left, left off on the gas pedal and be ready to hit the brake too quickly if it should come to that. And you're just kind of sitting there, this bundle of, like, effort to go somewhere and you can't do it it's like wow what a frustration of the of the arousal system you know yeah yeah (laughs) so so let's say something like in those contexts where in the modern environment where your organism is no longer is is curtailed in its ability to express its motor actions a big thing in somatic therapy somatic experiencing as as an example is to find the relief, the settling relief of the nervous system from its activation by giving it the opportunity to feel the success of its motor actions, the movements of the body. And so if if we're sitting in traffic, you'd want to not just sit there holding down your frustration, trying to keep it settled. Instead, you'd try to give it some physical expression, some motor movement in an activation and then letting go deactivation cycle so as to kind of maintain some of the, I do this and then I let go of this and then I feel the deactivation side, you might find it easier to be in that difficult traffic situation 
because your organism would have some release or some action of that activation rather than just holding that activation by not being active. Mm, yeah, yeah. So there's like literal, little exercises you could learn to help you throughout. I mean, it's kind of funny. I had um, this amazing demo with Steve. I, to be honest, when I started SE, I, I, almost, I almost didn't stay. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, good. I, I yeah, almost, that's probably why. Yeah. yeah, I almost didn't stay. I, I started and everybody's like red and blue. And then we were like sharing <laughs> red and blue for all the people who are listening are basically like holding the paradox of good and bad, but not really subscribing to either being good or bad. Like red for one person could be blue for another person, but it was just a way to hold the theory. And everybody exactly. in the room was like, it was the very first module, red, blue, red, blue. And then everybody's sharing on the microphone and they're like, Oh, Steve, this was the most amazing blue experience ever. Like, my system just feels so warm and open. And, like, I'm not joking. It was, like, blue sharing, happy sharing, happy sharing. Happy oh, my sharing. gosh. Were you just, like, thinking about running out of that room? And like, I all was the just, like, your legs? just, like, <laughs> I got to get out of here. I was, like, who the fuck are these people? <laughs> and, like, what the yeah. hell? I am, like, scared out of my mind. <laughs> you missed the Kool-Aid. You didn't find the Kool-Aid when you came in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so then we had like this like little first exercise and I actually even remember who my partner was and we were supposed to only be doing blue and like trying to like harvest the blue but I'm so in the red like I kept on going straight to red and she like kept on saying like you know you just went to red again. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. So I, I go back into the room and I didn't even know Steve was like doing demos. And I, I had just like had a meltdown. I started crying. And one of my friends who became my friend, he was also a JFK graduate. There was a bunch of JFK graduates in the room. And so we had a little like mini tribe within the tribe. It was kind of cool. And, um, I was crying and I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. I don't, I'm like, I, I don't fit in. Like I am so activated and I am so red and everybody's so blue. <laughs> and then we sit back down. He's like, just stay. And he's having me orient and look around at this beautiful Tiburon scenery and the ocean. And it was just like so beautiful. And Steve was like, Hey, let's, who wants to do a demo? And I like rate, I shot my hand up because I was like, okay, if this isn't something amazing, I'm out of here. Like, test this. I'm just going to test this. <laughs> like, because otherwise I'm like, I'll just like, I'll just like subscribe to regular therapy. Like, you know, like I don't, uh -huh. I don't get this. And so I did the demo and, um, it was, I'm not joking. Steve, like did some magic, like my system. I ended up having to do two demos in a row because the first demo was so powerful. Um, it, I think it like maybe went over threshold because I had a lot of flashbacks happen with some of my past traumas and I came back the next day, but it was so powerful, but I'm used to going over threshold. Right. Um, and I came back and I'm like, Hey, am I supposed to be having these type of like things happen? And he's like, would you mind doing another demo? So I got two demos in a row and my system like had just continued to like, something happened. I mean, like shift in ping and do things for like six months after, like I could feel little shifts happening. And, um, I think that there's like 
something about the motor response because he played with this like motor response coming up like and this is the whole reason why I'm sharing this story uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, this little like protective motor response that was happening in my shoulder and that was so powerful to me that when I am in a car and I feel like my hands clenching or like my something when I feel something wanting to do something I do now give it its space um, in a very titrated way to have small little activ- uh, activations and deactivations so I can rest in these stressful situations. And I just, like, kind of happened to learn that through experiential, uh, like, an experiential yeah. process with the demo. But I think it's powerful to, like, name that, like, as a practitioner, I could actually be, like, suggesting. I don't know why I haven't, like, put this together until right now. But suggesting these things to my clients, right? I mean, or my friends. Like, they can be small exercises that they can be doing to to be able to settle their system in these stressful situations that we're stuck in every single day. Right. Or you could, you could, you could, Coley, you could, you could, you know what you could do? You could produce like a podcast series where you like kind of share that information with lots and lots of people. Hmm. That's, that's another thing you could do. Apparently you've already done that. Yeah. That like, it's, I can't, I can't get over how big a deal it would be for people if they just could have a little bit more permission for feeling their impulses inside of their frustrations, their places of frustration and such, and feeling those impulses that come up like squeezing the steering wheel, and rather than ignoring it, where it then builds and eventually becomes so much of itself that it leaks in their behavior to where they act irrationally and impulsively in a way that they wouldn't want to if they could avoid it, so rather than letting it build by ignoring it or by reinforcing it, they instead kind of give it some attention to feel itself and, like you say, in a very titrated way, kind of feel itself and then release itself so that it can feel the difference between both squeezing the doing of itself and the not doing of itself. And going through several rounds of that can give the nervous system a tremendous amount of relief that it wasn't going to get on its own because mostly because of social conditioning at this point that would keep us from doing these things. But wow, our organisms are waiting for the permission to kind of feel ourselves and do what we're feeling. You know, you know, I like, I appreciate you saying like, maybe I could do a podcast series. I'm thinking like, that would be really cool. I've been wanting to do like, uh, start like a little YouTube channel. Cause I'm trying to like create a brand, like <laughs> coleology is a brand. Um, sure. like, yeah. like really like make what I'm doing in the healing world, something that like pulling obviously tremendously from the SE world, but like really being able to like give these things out into the world free. Like my whole thing is like, um, I come from lower middle class. I didn't have uh, like my whole family system doesn't have the ability to really access, uh, healing in the way that somehow my synchronistic unfolding has allowed me to. And the people I work with, um, are also from like nonprofit organizations. And so like their ability to get access to healing also is limited. And 
all the things in the world seem to cost money, right? I mean, it just does. And so, like, my whole platform with Coleology is that I'm able to keep on giving these things for free, but I want to brand myself in a way that like I have enough followers and people like wanting to hear the information I'm giving for free. So like then I can have like passive income coming through like advertisement or people who love me who happen to like be well, like independently wealthy, they can like donate or whatever. Um, so I can provide the, the information for free to people in the world who need it. And so the YouTube channel was something I was thinking about doing, um, but I wasn't really quite sure what direction. And you just gave me what direction. Like I could do like a small YouTube channel series on like things I do to deactivate my system in activating situations that like you can do when nobody even knows you're doing them. Like sometimes I'm like in a conversation and I'm squeezing my hand just because I'm super stressed out, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, I do this, you do this. um, Irene, um, Irene in Vancouver, Canada is doing this. Like a lot of us are on the web sharing these things out like that. And the more permission that we kind of pass into this society to attend to their somatic experience, like, the, I don't know, what else are we going to do at this point? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for being, like, part, like, of my creation. Like, you just gave me an idea that feels, like, really juicy and awesome, and I appreciate it. And I wanted to... Um, because I know we're coming to time. I also wanted to just quickly mention about your liberationispossible.org. Anybody who is interested in knowing more about Anthony Twig, Wheeler Twig, um, you can go to his website. It's super informative. It kind of breaks down the poly theory uh, in a simplified way, which is awesome. And then he also does, this is how Oh, I didn't get to tell you. So Patricia Craven, when I was in um, JFK, you have to get a letter of recommendation to join SE. And she was talking about SE all the time. Um, And I had read the book before I started the program. And then she started talking about it. And she wrote my letter. But she studied with you. And she couldn't say enough wonderful things about you as a human, your humor. And so at some point via Facebook, I found your Twig SE Reflections and I thought you were hysterical. You are funny. So on the website, you can also listen to um, some of these really funny ways, uh, like the blender one was hysterical. It was hysterical um, about our nervous system. So you can learn about our nervous system and you can see it done with... um, twig doing these like what, what do you call them what would you call it like a uh, little shorts i guess those are little shorts those little, little comedic shorts yeah yeah and and then he's also uh you also do are you available for uh working with or you're at this point like, you know what you know most of what i do is uh consultation with practitioners i do a lot of practitioner development and i do those kind of projects, education projects for practitioners, most of which are wrapping up this spring. And I have a couple projects that have been like for the public that have been more or less on hold. And those are getting revitalized this summer. And they're all on kind of how the nervous system works and what we can do to feel better. 
And you can find him and contact him through liberationispossible.org. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to speak with me and uh, break down some things that uh, obviously I needed for my own theoretical understanding and sharing yourself and the work that you're doing in the world. I just thank you. And I hope that at one point I actually get to meet you. Yeah, absolutely. Me too, Chloe. And uh, real pleasure to meet with you, talk with you. Congratulations on your project. I hope you just continue to move along with this series and whatever else you do. Really, really good for us all. So thanks for putting yourself out there and bringing us all together a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care and we'll be in touch. Okay. Yes, we will. Take good care. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye. Yes. Bye-bye.